0: It's a good night to be in the house of God. I said it's a good night to be in the house of God. Amen. You all can be seated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, it's an honor to be before you tonight. We're gonna close out the series I started several weeks ago called Believers Believe. Amen. I hope it's been a blessing to you thus far. And we're gonna close it out, but how many of you know just because today is the last day, that doesn't mean we stop believing. Because <laughs> we're believers, and believers do what? Believe. We believe. Now, I trust that many of you have already heard the chant that we sing multiple times. So those of you who have, I'm expecting you to carry it on. For those who have not, you are looking nervous in the service. You remember the chant, don't you? All right, I, 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 I'll remind you real quick. So it says, I say believers. And you say believe. And I say believers. And you say, and I say, believers do what? And you say, believers "Believers do what? Believers believe. believe." That's the answer, you guys. So I say believers. And you say, believers "Believers. believe. Believers do what? Believers believe. The trick question is believers do what? You say, believers believe. Amen. Can we do it for real? Are you ready? One, two, three. Believers. Believers. Believers do what? Believers. Believers. Come on. Believers do what? Believers. Come on. Believers do what? Believers. Believers. Believers do what? what? All the unbelievers be quiet. We are believers and we believe. We're going to do that at the end and we're going to get it right. Amen? Amen. Now, just a little bit of a review. A belief, simple, it means faith. Okay? So when you see the word belief in the Bible, same thing as faith. And it means a firm persuasion, to be firmly persuaded. And what we said believers need to be firmly persuaded about is that the Bible is, in fact, the word of God. And we need to believe that if we live our lives according to the word of God, it will be well with us. I didn't say it will be perfect with us, but it will be well with us. And we need to believe that. Amen. Startling statistic I shared last time I was up here. Less than half Christians in this country believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Less than half. It's about 46%. But that's nobody in here, Right? Because we are going to turn to 2 Timothy and we're going to find out something different. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, we're going to go to chapter 3, and I want you to look at verses 16 and 17. And it says here all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So this scripture tells us that all scripture, even the ones we don't necessarily like, like love your enemies, all scripture is God-breathed or it's inspired by God, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So a believer. We're going to define it. It'll be up on your screen, and I'm going to go fast because this is part three. And if you can't write them all down, just get the CD, amen. You can get the whole series too. Believer, it means one who believes, one who gives credit to other evidence than that of personal knowledge, one who gives credit to the truth of the scriptures as a revelation of God. How many believers do we have? House full of believers, amen. Now an unbeliever, something you are not. It's an incredulous person. Incredulous means refusing to admit the truth of what is related. One who does not believe. An infidel, one who discredits revelation or the mission, character, and doctrines. An infidel is disbelieving the inspiration of the scripture, so it's just a book of fables, okay? A skeptic, we don't have any skeptics in the house, do we? Of course not, it's a person who questions Or doubts something. And the synonyms for skeptic is a disbeliever, a doubter, uh, a doubting Thomas, a questioner, or an unbeliever. Now, an agnostic is a related word. Cynic, pessimist, derider, ridiculer, and scoffer. I thought, you know, I'm not going to assume I know what an agnostic is. And basically, an agnostic says that they don't know whether or not they can be sure if God exists. So an atheist will say God does not exist, and an agnostic will say, I'm not sure, and no one could ever be sure. So what's important to note is that when we act skeptical as believers, even though we may say we believe that God is God, that Jesus is his son, the Holy Spirit, we believe in the Trinity, tripart being of God, we are Christian. If we are in a spiritual setting and we become skeptical, we start acting like an agnostic, someone who doesn't even know whether or not God exists. Say, that's not me. I won't act like that. Say, I won't act like that. Amen. Now, it's important that you and I decide up front what kind of believer we're going to believe. We need to make the decision. Are we going to be the doubting Thomas type believer who believes when we see proof and evidence with our eyes? Remember, Jesus ridiculed and rebuked Thomas. Because he did not believe, even though the disciples and several people told him that they had seen Jesus risen from the dead. Thomas said, if I don't put my hand in his side or put my, touch the holes in his hand, I will not believe. And Jesus appeared to him last. He appeared to him last because of his doubt. And I don't know about you. I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. So finally, Jesus appeared to Thomas, and Thomas said, oh, oh, it is the Lord. And he said, Thomas, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. That's you and me. We didn't see him on that cross, but we believe he went there, don't we? We didn't see him rise from the dead, but we know that he did because he lives on the inside of us. Amen. So are we going to be a doubting Thomas-type Christian, or are we going to be like Peter? Peter? who was bold enough at one word to jump out on water, something no one had ever done before, and walk to Jesus. Say, I'm going to be like Peter. Amen. Go out on the word, come. Now, Luke 18 and 8, Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? He didn't say, will I find vision? Will I find purpose or destiny? Will I find unity even? He said, will I find faith? And as a believer, our answer should be yes. Because you're going to come you're going to find me. And I'm a believer and I believe. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Matthew 8. Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13. I'm going to read this through the Message Bible, so it may sound a little different. And this is a story many of you are familiar with. There's a man, a centurion who comes to Jesus with a problem. And in my translation, it says a Roman captain. So let's read verses five. It says, as Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a Roman captain or centurion came up in a panic and said, master, my servant is sick. He can't walk. He's in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, oh no, said the captain. I don't want to put you to all that trouble. King James says, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Just give the order and my servant will be fine. I'm a man who takes orders. I give orders. I tell one soldier, go. And he goes to another, come. And he comes to my slave or servant and do this. And he does it. Jesus, taken back or marveling in verse 10 said, I have yet to come across this kind of simple trust, belief, or faith in Israel. The very people who are supposed to know all about God and how he works. This man is the vanguard or the first, in other words, of many outsiders who will soon be coming from all directions, streaming in from the east, pouring in from the west, sitting down at God's kingdom banquet alongside Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Say that to me. Then those who grew up in the faith but had no faith. Wow. Grew up in the faith but had no faith will find themselves out in the cold, outsiders to grace and wondering, what happened? Verse 13, then Jesus turned to the captain and said, go, what you believed could happen has happened. At that moment, his servant became well. What can you believe will happen? Ooh, this is a time to use your imagination. For good, not bad. What you believe can happen Jesus said will happen. All things are possible to him who does what? Believes. Ephesians 3.20 Amplified says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above, far over, what we could dare ask, think, or imagine. Infinitely higher beyond our highest thoughts, hopes, prayers, dreams, or desires. My goodness. It's time to go home and daydream and write it down. Write the vision, make it plain. Now, the world will tell you, don't get your hopes up, but faith works with hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So how can you walk in faith if you don't have hope? That's backwards. We're not going to listen to them, are we? We're going to get our hopes up, and I know what you're thinking. You don't know what I've been through. No, I don't. mm but guess who does? God does, and Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Good Lord. If he overcame the world and the same spirit that was on him lives on you, what can't you overcome? Believers do what? We believe. Turn to Matthew 9. Hallelujah. We're already there. Woo! Just a page over. Matthew 9, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read in the Amplified. Jesus, getting into a boat, crossed to the other side. He came to his own town, Capernaum. And behold, they brought to him a man paralyzed and pros- prostrated by illness, lying on a sleeping pad. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Take courage, son. Your sons are forgiven and the penalty remitted. And he goes on and the man winds up walking. Now in Mark 2, that same story, it says that this man's crazy friends broke up a roof. And lowered their friend that was paralyzed on the mat right in front of Jesus while he was teaching. That's the kind of friends you need. You need your miracle? We going to make you get your miracle. We can't get through the door. We about to break up the roof. Really? Wow. That's the kind of friends you need. Not the kind of friends that say, oh, well, it's crowded. We shouldn't have came anyway. I got on the wrong shoes. Let's go back in the car. Leave those at home. You need to break up the roof kind of friends. And it says that Jesus saw their faith. Well, I guess so. They're laying, lowering a man right in front of them. You mean to tell me my faith can be evident? Mm-hmm. You show me your works, I'll show you your faith. Uh-huh, amen. Same chapter. Let's drop down to verse 18. This chapter is full of miracles. Verse 18, we're still in the Amplified Translation. While he was talking this way to them, so Jesus teaching again, behold, a ruler entered in and kneeling down. Look at all the interruptions while Jesus is teaching, first of all. I just thought that was interesting. Notice Jesus doesn't say, uh, I heal at the end. Wait till I'm done teaching. Oh, that's for another message. Amen, okay. <clears throat> while he was talking to them, behold, a ruler entered in, kneeling down, worshiped him, and said, My daughter has just now died, it says in the Amplified, but come and lay your hand on her and she will come to life. Look at this man's faith. 19, verse 19, Jesus got up. So he, up. meeting adjourned. He got up and accompanied him with his disciples. Verse 20, behold, a woman who had suffered from a flow of blood for 12 years. Not days, not weeks, not months, years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Let me say something about that. Sometimes when we deal with something for a very long time, we start to accept it as our reality. And scientists have even proven that after you deal with something, I think it's longer than 30 days, it becomes ingrained in your memory that this is normal. It does, which makes sense why God would tell us we need to renew our mind on the word of God. Because our mind don't even work right because it was stooped in sin. So if you've been dealing with something, a chronic illness, a a certain plague that's gone through your family for generations, maybe it's poverty, whatever it may be, your brain is telling you this is normal because you've been dealing with it longer than 30 days. But you have to get in that word and say, no, this is really normal. This is how I was created and my body is gonna regenerate and match this because believers do what? We believe, now I commend this woman because she wasn't supposed to be out in public in the first place, she could have been stoned just for going out. So she had to take a risk. Believers take risks, amen? But we take risks all in line with the word, not apart. And the risk she took was, man, I have got to touch Jesus and even if I touch his clothes and don't even get his skin, I'm gonna be healed. That ought to be our belief. Not, well I've been dealing with this for 12 years so it's too long and maybe this is God's will for me, no! His will is that you live life abundantly, John 10, 10. Amen? So let's keep going. Verse 21, she kept saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I shall be restored to health. Jesus turned around and seeing her, he said, take courage, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Wait a minute. He didn't say my anointing has made you well. Your faith. Her saying, the moment I touch him, I'll be made whole. That made her well, and at once the woman was restored to health. Now, we're not going to keep on reading through that. I'll skip to verse 28. Ha, wait a minute. Before we get to verse 28, Jesus goes with the man. Remember the man whose daughter had died. Someone came up to them and said, why trouble the master any further? Your daughter's dead. What's the big deal? You know, might as well. And Jesus said, fear not that will short-circuit your faith, fear. Fear comes immediately to try to get us to doubt what God has said. So don't be shocked when it comes. That's fear's job, to get you to doubt. Your job is to do what? Believe. Believe. And if you have to be like the man in Mark 9 who says, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief, you do that. You don't have to have all the answers. That's what faith is all about. You're not going to have all the answers. If you did, you'd be God. But thank goodness you have a partnership with one who does have other answers. And when Satan bombards you or even when people keep saying, what are you going to do? Oh, my gosh, what are you going to do? You're running out of time. You say, you know what? I don't know right now, but I'm in partnership with the one who knows everything. And when I need to know, he'll let me know. So right now, I'm just going to put on my shades and chill out. Believers do what? We believe. So he goes to the house. All these people are crying over the damsel that had died. And Jesus said, she's not dead. She's only asleep. And the same people that were bawling started laughing. Well, they obviously weren't really mourning for real because how can you go from bawling to laughing that fast? He kicked all the doubters out. He only took people of faith in the room and he shut the door. If you're believing for the miraculous, kick the doubters out. Stop trying to accommodate them and make them feel comfortable. They'll get it later when the manifestation comes. But for right now, you can't afford to have your beliefs short-circuited. Amen? And the girl rose. So now we pick up in 28. Matthew 9, 28, amplified still. When he reached the house and went in, the blind man came to him saying, came to him, and Jesus said to the blind man, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith and trust and reliance on the power invested in me, be it done to you. He didn't just say, according to my power, be it done to you. He said, because you trust in the power I come in, be it done unto you. Does anyone trust in the power of almighty God? And you know, I've heard people say God is able, but they don't know if he will. All these verses that I've read, every time someone asked Jesus, will you heal? He said, I will. Every time. He never once said, let me go pray about it. Give me a minute, maybe 10 days from now. He just went ahead and did it. Well, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's no respecter of persons, and that's his response to them, don't you think he'll respond the same way to you? Hallelujah. Be it unto you according to your faith. John 17, let's go there. Hallelujah. Is your faith getting stirred? Is anything too hard for God? So therefore, is anything too hard for you? Ah. No, man, you're an heir. You're a joint heir with Christ. So whatever he has, it belongs to you too. You might have to remind the devil of that. You might have to remind yourself of that. But even if you forget, it's still true. (laughs) Woo, believers do what? we believe. Are you in John 17? Now we read this in part two. I just want to read it again because it's so important. This is Jesus's prayer for the body of Christ. And we're all a part of his body, right? So this is what he prayed for us. And he prayed this prayer right before going to Gethsemane to deal with his flesh that didn't want to go to the cross. So I think it's very significant that we pay attention to this, because he's about to make the biggest decision of his life, and he could just be selfish right now, but he's actually thinking about you and me. The first part of it, we'll, we'll start at verse 15. He's talking about the disciples he has currently, and then in verse 20, he starts talking about us. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Your word is true. So how do we get clean in this mucky, dirty world? The, the word of God. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified through the truth. Verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Every time you see the word one, I want you to read it with me, okay? That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them. Look at that. The glory that God gave him, he gave us. Did you catch that? What's a limitation? when you have God's glory, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, thou in me, and they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou has loved me. Jesus said one several times. It's very clear that he wanted us to have unity within the body. Amen. Now, we talked about last time how there's a lot of disunion in the body. There's a lot of different sects and beliefs, and some believe that the gifts have passed away. Some believe they passed away with the apostles. Some, like us, believe we can still operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Some people think you need to, you know, go to church on Saturday. And some people say, well, you need to go to church on Sunday. And some people think, you know, when you baptize people, you baptize them in Jesus' name only. And some people say, well, you need to say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you know what? There's all these different Um, factions and groups within the body. And that's not what Jesus prayed. And I believe that one of the reasons God established Faith Christian Center is so that we can help put a stop to that, at least within this this community. Amen? And I believe that like Jesus said, when we become one, the world will look and see us being one, people of all races, people of all ages, male and female, and they will say, Man, God must have really sent Jesus because it would take a miracle to get all those people to be one. And how many of you know we might not agree on everything, but that doesn't mean we can't be one. Husbands and wives don't usually agree on everything, but the Bible calls them one. So just because you don't agree doesn't mean you have to squabble and have uh, sibling rivalry parties. Amen. And just because we don't agree do not mean we got to blast each other on Facebook. Amen or Twitter, or anywhere else, hallelujah, because we're supposed to be believing, not arguing. It blesses our father when we get along. I said it blesses our father when we get along. Now go to Mark 16. So that was his prayer before he died on the cross. This is what happened after he rose from the dead, Mark 16. We're gonna look at verse nine. It says, now when Jesus had risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, they believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, and neither believed they them. Wow. Wow. Verse 14, afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and he upbraided them, or he corrected them, with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So he corrects them about their unbelief, he tells them you should be believing, and then he gets right down to business in verse 15. He said to them, go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. So first thing, you got to get your belief right. Once you're believing right now, you need to go do something. Verse 16 He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, he that believes not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe not these signs shall follow them that have gone through Bible school or these signs shall follow only the apostles I'm speaking to right now or these signs shall follow only men or these signs shall follow only women or these signs shall follow only those that are called to the fivefold ministry it said these signs shall follow them that believe do we have any believers in here so these signs are going to follow you when you go because you believe you ready in my name Jesus name they shall cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues they shall take up serpents if they drink any deadly thing it will not hurt them they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover so then after the lord had spoken unto them he was received up into heaven he sat on the right hand of god and they went forth and preached everywhere the lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following that ought to be our prayer lord I believe I'm going to go, you work with me, and confirm your word with signs following through my life. So whatever word you speak, he's there to back it up with the sign. You know, I used to have a mentor. We would go out witnessing, and we had a lot of questions for him, and we'd ask questions like, well, you know, how do you know when you, when you need to minister healing to somebody? Or, you know, how do you know if they need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Like, how do you know when to go past? Just the salvation prayer, you know, getting them saved. Because obviously that's what, that was the main purpose, we wanted to get them saved. And he said something that astonished me and changed my life. He said, Holy Spirit is the helper. So you do and then he'll help whatever you do in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone's sick, you don't need a, you know, a download from heaven right there. You don't need like a cloud of angels to come down and sit on your toes and say, minister healing to this person, it is the time. You don't need that. You know God's will. You're God's ambassador. You lay hands and he'll perform the miracle because you went and you believed. You go into your office, you know it's full of evil. You don't need a dream to know that you can go in there and pray over the seats, just do it. And God will confirm what you do with signs following. You do it, man. You are an ambassador of heaven. Go rep heaven everywhere you go. Do you catch that? So there's drug dealing on the corner where you live. My God. Walk down the sidewalk and pray in the Holy Ghost. That's your block. That can't happen on your block. You own it. Are you getting this? Yeah. Believers do what? Believe. <laughs> we believe. Jesus. So believers need to believe, say believe. believe. We need to unite and go. Believe, believe. unite. Go, Go. believe, Believe. unite, Unite. go. You see this in Acts. They believed what Jesus said. They went into the upper room. They were united on one accord. Holy Ghost showed up and they went. And 3,000 were added to the church that one day. My goodness, if the whole body of Christ did this every day, what would happen? The rapture might happen next week. (laughs) So we can do it here, amen, in our faith community. Can you commit to that? Amen. Faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6 says it. Romans 1, 17 says the just shall live by faith. So that means we have to live by faith and live in love because it doesn't matter if we're in faith. If we're not in love, it won't work. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. Many of you are familiar with this chapter, but I'm going to read it through the message, and it will be up on the screens. It's going to look a little different for you if you don't have the message translation. And we're going to start at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it says... If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies in verse eight. And in verse 13 it says, trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of these three is love. In the King James, it says, now abideth faith, hope, and charity, or love, and the greatest of these is love. So, Mr. Eric, I thought you were talking about believers believe. We do believe, but man, if we believe but we don't have love, does us no good. People are drawn to God because of love. They are. You and I, we were drawn to God because of love, not theory and, 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 and rhetoric and, and doctrine. And we were drawn because of his love. Amen. Amen. Believers need all three, faith, hope, and love. Love thinks the best of every person. Verse 7, look at it again. In the Amplified, it says, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person, not the worst of every person. That's how you can judge if you're in love. When someone's name comes up, what was your first thought? If it was the worst, that's not love. That's real. That's stepping on my toes too. That's when I have to say, you know what? That's not love and that's not the heart of God. And I repent for that thought. That's my sister, that's my brother, and I love them. I will think the best of them, not the worst. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. This is good for married couples. It is, I respect him when he deserves respect. Love thinks the best of every person. Even your spouse that you chose. That's real. This applies even when you've been hurt by somebody. Love thinks the best. Maybe they didn't know what, how that hurt me. Love thinks the best. Jesus did it. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't say, Lord, blast them, because they're heathen, all of them. Send them to hell, Jehovah. He could have, and he would have been right. (laughs) But he thought the best, and even at their worst, he still complimented them in a way by saying, you know what? They're just doing this because they don't know any better. Man, and he's our example, and I don't care what anyone has done to you. They haven't driven nails through your hands and beaten you to the point where you didn't look like a human being. If he could do that in that state, so can we. This applies even to organizations and churches when they hurt us. Are you shocked that I said this in the pulpit? Listen, God might not disappoint you, but people will. Every time, an organization, even one you believe in, they're not always gonna do everything you like. Even us. We're gonna empower you to be your best, but we might get on your nerves sometimes. That's real. I'm not gonna intentionally offend you, but I might get on your toes a little bit. You're gonna have to choose to walk in love with me if this is where God called you to be. Because man, our attitude ought to be, I'm not gonna leave where God is planning me until I get everything he wanted me to get and until I give everything I'm supposed to give. And when the purpose is fulfilled, then I'll move on. And that's in relationships, that's in jobs, that's in churches, that's in wherever you're in. You don't let the enemy run you out of town because you got hurt or offended. So what, grow up. Believers believe. They don't walk in offense. Now let me say what love is not. Love is not, oh I love you so I'll let you do anything you wanna do to me. I love you, so I'll let you slap me around and call me out of my name because that's love. That's not love. That's being unwise. Your job is to guard your heart and to protect the jewel that God put on the inside of you, which is called your purpose and your calling. And anyone who's gonna tamper with that, you need to distance yourself from them. That's not love. You need to love God enough to protect the jewel that he put in you. That's your calling that's for somebody. Love will hold people accountable. One of our values here at the church is accountability and authentic relationships. You can't have an authentic relationship without there being honesty and disclosure. So when you come up in here, take the mask off. Amen. Let's be naked in the presence of God and be unashamed. We all have flaws. It's all right. That's why we come here. This is the spiritual hospital. Let's get right together. And we need to be accountable to one another. And the thing is, you have to follow 1 Corinthians 13 in order to be accountable. Because in the King James, it says love is not touchy. It's not fretful. You know, it doesn't easily get offended. And sometimes when people hold folks accountable, they get all offended. I'm grown. Why are you checking up on me? I'm not walking in love. They should be able to do that because they love you. When you love someone, you correct them. That's what God said. He loves us, so he corrects us. Now, when we correct, we need to correct in love. Not in judgment, and I told you so. But in, you know what? I see purpose and destiny in you. And I just believe you can get this right. If you make this one little tweak, man, there's nothing you can't do. That's how you correct. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Believers do what? We believe. First John 4. Let's go to First John 4. It's going to be on your screen. We're going to start at verse 6. Now, there's a song within this passage that I learned in children's ministry, and it is ingrained in my memory, and I can't get it out. And every time I read it, I wind up singing it. So I apologize, but I'm going to sing it. Just read along, and then we'll go back to verse 9, okay? All right. I'm warning you in advance. When I was preparing it, the song kept coming. It says, we are of God. He that knoweth God hears us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. If you know it, you can sing. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. I know it's God, he that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. Mm. Verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. If any man say, I love God and hateth, that word hateth means detests, persecutes, to love less, or shows partiality to his brother, he is a liar. I didn't say it, the Bible did. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment hath we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. That sounds a lot like Jesus' prayer before Gethsemane. Very similar. Let them be one. And this is one is saying, let them be in love. Can't be one without love. Now, pastor said something on Sunday, and I'm going to read what he said. He said, the church or the body of Christ has majored on God and minored on people. (laughs) Wow. Wow. We've forgotten the second commandment. The second commandment is love God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and strength. That's the first one. And the second one is love thy neighbor as you love yourself. He said, how can we fulfill the great commission if we love God but hate his people? And I think, honestly, this is probably why some people don't witness. Don't say amen. You don't have to. People are self-absorbed to the point where they don't even see folks bleeding right next to them. And it's not so much that I hate the person next to me, but I'm so self-absorbed that I can't even hear the Holy Spirit saying, just ask the lady next to you if she wants prayer. Just do it, just please. But not anymore, say not anymore. anymore. I'm a believer. I I I believe. I'm a sensitive. To your voice, God, I'll follow your orders, and I'll love everyone you send my way, no matter how unlovable they may be. Amen. If Jesus could love the soldiers that whipped him, we can love too. Amen. Matthew 7, go there. I'm going to read in the Amplify verses 1 through 5. Again, we're talking about brotherly love between the brethren, the sisters and the brothers in the body of Christ. It says, do not judge and criticize and condemn others so that you, Lord Jesus, I know. This is one of those scriptures you just want to rip out. <clears throat> so that you may not be judged and criticized and condemned yourself. For just as you judge and criticize and condemn others, you will be judged and criticized and condemned and in accordance with the measure you use to deal out to others. So if you feel like everybody's hating on you, you need to think about are you hating on everybody too? Wow. For whatever measure you use and deal out to others, it will be dealt out again to you. Why do you stare from without at the very small particle that is in your brother's eye. But do not become aware of and consider the beam of timber that is in your own eye. (laughs) Or how can you say to your brother, let me get that tiny particle out of your eye when there's a beam of timber in your own? You hypocrite. First get the beam of timber out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the tiny particle out of your brother's eye. Hallelujah. This is good for married people too. I didn't know this was going to be a marriage event tonight. But isn't it funny, married people? Where wave at me. Where are you? Mhm. Isn't it funny when you go to God to complain about your spouse, he starts talking to you about you? Isn't that annoying? like, God, I don't understand. And he's like, well, what you need to do, you need to apologize. I'm not wrong. You need to apologize, and you need to say, and then you need to make this, and you need to. Are you kidding me, God? That's because he wants us to get the big flagpole out of our eye before we get the speck out of our brothers. And guess what? We'll have a lot of more respect from our brother if we deal with our own issues before we constantly shine a spotlight on theirs. Now, pastor says this all the time. We tend to judge ourselves by our intentions, and we judge others by what they do. <laughs> so with us, it's, oh, I didn't mean it, or, oh, you know, this is what happened yesterday, and that's why I overslept, and, you know, I, my alarm clock didn't go off, and then, and then, oh, I had an argument with my sister over the phone, and then my mother needed me to go over, and, oh, then, oh, I remember my late— w- and we're making all these excuses for why we're late or whatever we did, Right? But then someone else is, you know what? Punctuality is important. (laughs) Excellence or nothing at all. This is not 212, the extra degree. (laughs) But if you're going to do that to them, you got to do it to you. Hallelujah. Good example is my daughter and son, Heaven and Sean. Heaven believes it's her God-given duty to correct Sean and everything that he does wrong. And I do believe that part of her job in the body of Christ is going to be to make wrongs right. Whatever you see in your kid, especially the annoying things, they're probably called to do that. They just don't know how to temper it yet. So your job as their parent is to teach them how to temper it with tact and grace and not lose whatever that thing is. So, for instance, if your kid is always getting in trouble for talking when they're not supposed to, they're probably called to talk some way, sing, public speaking, something. Right? If, if, if they're all over the place, they're jumping off of, I mean, like, sit down! <sighs> well, they're probably going to be a mover. They're gonna do something with athletics. They're gonna do something that's gonna acquire, require them to not sit in a cubicle all day, probably. They're always breaking things apart and trying to put it back together. That might be your engineer. Don't get so mad. Just teach him, baby, let's break the blocks, honey, not my phone. So with heaven and Sean, we're teaching her how to correct but do it in love. And I think this is where the body of Christ has missed it with the world. We go to them and we say, the way you're living, you're going to go to hell. And that might be true, but that's probably not the best approach. Right? Let's smooth that over with some grace and some candy. Right? Make it a little nicer. God offers you eternal life. Isn't that better than you're going to hell? Much better. Amen. It's not our job to judge whether or not someone is saved. If they say Jesus is Lord, man, that should be enough to unite us. I was talking to someone on the phone, this is years ago, and she was a youth worker, and I guess she was frustrated with what she was doing, and she started talking about how the youth weren't even saved. Them youth ain't even saved. Going on and on and on. And I was thinking, Okay, but didn't they do Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10? They confess with their mouth and they believe in their heart that Jesus raised from the dead, God raised him from the dead. So that means that they're saved. But you're frustrated because they ain't doing everything you want them to do. That doesn't mean they're not saved. That just means you need to develop some long suffering. A little bit of patience would do you good, youth worker. Okay, it's not our job to judge. Say it's not my job to judge the heart of my neighbor. I just need to believe God's word is true. Go do the work of the ministry, which is to preach and walk in love. That's it, amen, amen. Our faith won't work until we get our people relationships right. So if you're offended with someone, I don't care what they've done to you. Maybe they really hurt you, they really burned you, maybe they abused you physically. I don't know what they did, but you don't deserve to suffer because of what they did. You need to let that thing go so it doesn't mess up your present and jack up your future. And you need to do it just because God said you can, and he said you should, and he has your best interests at heart. Now, our vision is to rep the kingdom and remove the reproach from the church. One of the reproaches from the church is that we don't get along. So if we, in this own, if, if, if we can do this here just locally in Arizona, I believe there will be churches far and wide that will say, how did you get your people united? The Lord told me years ago, this church is a prototype church. You know what that means? That means when we do stuff, other churches will say, how did you do that? And they'll mirror their program or whatever it is on what we do. Well, let's mirror for them unity. Let's mirror for them oneness and let's mirror for them love and faith that works because we stay in love with one another amen amen I'm getting ready to close believers we do what we believe we also unite and we walk in love we don't doubt we don't squabble and argue with one another over things that don't even matter or have anything to do with eternal life amen now I'm admonishing you I want you to go home this is homework And I'm not going to check. It's on the honor system with the Holy Ghost. I want you to go home, and I want you to think about everybody that you're upset with. From the grocery store clerk to your daddy. I mean everybody, right? And I want you to write their names down, or who you know them as, grocery store clerk. And I want you to look at that name, and I want you to say, I will owe you nothing but to love you. I forgive you for what you did, and you move on to the next name. Some people may take you hours. They might. Karen Wheaton tells a story. I'll tell her testimony. Some of you know who Karen Wheaton is. Some of you don't. Karen Wheaton has been in the ministry for years. Years ago, she was married to a man, and they were in the ministry together, and he slept with just about everybody in the church, including all of her friends. Yeah. And she finds out about it. She's humiliated. She's mortified. She's angry, rightfully so. And the Lord said, you got to forgive him. You have got to. You, can't, you won't be able to move forward if you don't forgive him and all those women, especially the ones that were supposed to be your friends. So what she did one day, I don't know if it was a Saturday afternoon, she sat a chair in front of her, and she pretended that sitting in the chair was the person she needed to forgive and she said it took her all day, but she prayed and spoke to that chair until she could move to the next name. And her husband, obviously, it took the longest, but she managed to do it. Now Karen Wheaton has like the largest youth ministries called The Ramp. I mean, the things that she's doing is amazing. I don't think any of that stuff would have happened if she would have held on to that bitterness. God can't move where there's not love. And some of us are frustrated. Where are the greater works that Jesus promised? Where are the miracle signs and wonders? It will show up more so when we get in love, when we forgive those that we're angry with, whether they deserve the forgiveness or not. And when we believe God's word, no matter whether or not it makes sense, we'll see more demonstration in our own lives, but also across our communities. So do that when you get home. When you do that, amen. So stand to your feet. I want you to join hands with your neighbor or, well yeah, your neighbor. That way I won't have you going all over the place. Just one person. Just get the hand of one person and I want you to look them in their eye so you might need to face them. Hallelujah! Teamwork! If you see someone standing around you that doesn't have someone, you grab them too. And you all are gonna look at each other in the eye and you're gonna say this. Are you ready? Say, I need you. We are connected to the same body, the body of Christ. We represent the same kingdom, the kingdom of God. I commit to stand firm on God's word and to believe what it says. And I trust that because I walk in love, I will produce fruit that remains I will not be an island off to myself. I will open myself up to develop authentic relationships with you and with other believers. I will not be skeptical concerning the possibilities of what God can do through us together by myself. I can put a 1,000 to flight, but the two of us can put 10,000 to flight. I'm looking forward to seeing what God can accomplish when the body works together in unity, in faith, and in love. I'm committed to making Jesus's prayer come true as I partner with you Hallelujah. hallelujah glory to god you guys can face me glory to god you're ready for the chant one more time one more time believers believe. believers believe. believers do what believe. believers believe. believers believe. believers do what believers believe hallelujah glory to god while every head is bowed and every eye is closed in prayer i want